think that's the first time I've seen Carol solo. And uh, I'm sure she's done it before, did a great job, and uh, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. A great reminder. You know, God, uh, you know, we preach about holiness and purity and separation. We should do those things. We understand we don't do those things to be saved or to stay saved, but because we're saved, you know, we represent God, you know, and, uh, you know, we need to be reminded from time to time that uh, there's a certain way in which God would have us to live. There are certain things that uh, he wants us to do. There are certain things he doesn't want us to do. And uh, after all, we owe him a great debt, amen? And the least we could do is live for him uh, the way that he sees fit. So what a great, great song. All right, Daniel chapter 7. We'll get to the text here in just a moment. I just want to say a few things before we read it. Uh, We started looking at uh, Daniel chapter 7 last week, and we began looking at the four beasts. Now, we've looked at these four beasts back in Daniel chapter 2. They were represented in a dream that Nebuchadnezzar had. Uh, of the great image there and the different types of metals that we looked at. And then uh, that last week we began to look at a vision that Daniel had, and uh, we saw some of those beasts. We're not going to go over all that again tonight. Uh, and, of course, we understand they represent these four Gentile world empires uh, that would rule the world, and certainly those have come to be and have passed on, the Babylonians, the Medes, the Persians, the Grecians, uh, and, of course, uh, the Roman Empire. Uh, and we read, actually, about the Roman Empire in verse 7 uh, of Daniel chapter 7. And we're going to start there again tonight. Uh, but this was uh, this fourth beast that we're going to focus in on a little bit more tonight, a little bit more detail comes out as we get into some more of these verses. And uh, uh, there was something, as I, if you remember, that, that if I remember sharing with you, and even just reading the scripture, we can tell that this was something that Daniel really couldn't relate to, this fourth beast. It, you know, the other ones were animals, and he could kind of make um, some comparisons there. Uh, but with this one, it was a little different. And uh, he uses words like terrible and dreadful. And uh, in other words, it was more powerful than any of the other beasts that uh, he had uh, uh, talked about. And these next few verses, they really give us some detail, again, some significance of this uh, of this fourth beast. Uh, and this is going to get us into the realm of the Antichrist and those types of things. Uh, so some interesting things as we think about uh, what's ahead. Uh, you know, of course, the next greatest thing on God's calendar is the rapture of the church. Amen? And uh, hopefully we're saved tonight. And, and in other words, what I'm saying is if you're saved... Uh, you will not have to go through these terrible things. Some of these things we're going to be talking about tonight as we get uh, a little bit deeper into this. Uh, but we do know that that fourth beast represents that Roman Empire. They would go on to conquer the world really like no other nation before them or really even since. Uh, and although the empire, as far as the Roman Empire as we see it in that time, it's no longer a dominating you know, force or nation or empire but we understand that the ideology of Rome still exists. Uh, in other words, it's still there. And certainly that will rise again in those last days, uh, uh, particularly in that age that's still yet to come, uh, that we know in the Bible as the tribulation period, particularly the last three and a half years of that tribulation period. And so tonight we're really looking at this fourth beast, as I said, in some more detail. But uh, uh, we'll also see that, 
when this uh, fourth beast rises again, that it won't be long before the really the true dominating force, <laughs> really we could almost say that fifth kingdom, if you will, in other words, the God of who all, over all that there is uh, is going to return and put down uh, that terrible fourth beast, if you will, uh, once and for all. And so we praise the Lord for that. So we're going to be talking about the fourth beast and the coming uh, of the Lord tonight. Uh, and of course, what we're talking about, the coming of the Lord, we're talking about his bodily, the bodily return of Jesus Christ as king. And uh, that's just sounding better all the time, amen? And uh, I believe uh, that uh, it could very well uh, begin, these things could begin to take place uh, even before this night is over. God could call us all home, and uh, that would be uh, wonderful. Uh, so stand with me, if you will, Daniel chapter 7. We're going to begin reading with verse 7. We're going to read down to verse 14, talk about a few things tonight. We're going to be turning to some other places in the Word of God as well. Uh, but uh, we read this verse last week, but I want to go ahead and tie it into these verses tonight as well. Daniel 7, verse 7, and of course, again, this is Daniel's vision. He says, After this I saw in the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible and strong exceedingly, and it had great iron teeth that devoured and break in pieces and stamped the residue with the feet of it, of it, and it was diverse from all the beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns, and uh, that's uh, significant. We'll talk about that tonight. I considered the horns, verse 8, and uh, be, behold, there came up among them another little horn, uh, before whom there were three of the first horns plucked up by the roots. And behold, in this horn were eyes like the eyes of man, and a mouth speaking great things. Now, we know that to be a reference there to the Antichrist. Verse 9, I beheld till the thrones were cast down in the ancient of days. And in your King James Bible, you'll notice that word ancient is capitalized. We have here a reference of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ returning. The ancient of days did sit, whose garment was white as snow, and the hair of his head like pure wool. His throne was like the fiery flame, and his wheels as burning fire. And a fiery stream issued and came forth from before him thousands I'm sorry, thousand thousands ministered unto him. Now keep in mind, a thousand thousand is a million. And so we have here a thousand thousands, and then we have ten uh, times ten thousand stood before him. Ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The judgment was set and the books were open. Verse 11, I beheld them because of the voice of the great words which the horn spake. So now we're talking about the Antichrist again. I beheld even till the beast was slain. Amen and his body destroyed and given to the burning flame. As concerning the rest of the beasts, uh, they had their dominion, talking about uh, the Babylonians, the Medes, the Persians, uh, the Grecians. They had their dominion taken away, yet their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. We'll explain these verses in just a moment. And then we see a scene, really, I believe, uh, in heaven uh, concerning Jesus, he says, I saw in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven uh, and came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. Uh, and there was given him dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away. Amen. And his kingdom uh, that which shall not be destroyed. 
Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the Word of God and some exciting things that we've just read here in the Bible. And Father, we pray now that you'll help us. Help me, Lord, to explain this, uh, uh, you know, thoroughly, but easily, uh, make it easy to understand. And Father, just uh, help us to get a hold of how it ought to affect us today and that we have a God in heaven that we can trust, a God in heaven that has everything worked out. And so, Father, we'll thank you for it. In Jesus Christ's name we do pray. Amen and amen. All right, you can go ahead and be seated. We're going to get right into this tonight because we're going to look, be looking at several other verses of scriptures. We kind of really do some teaching today uh, concerning uh, some of these things that we've talked about. And uh, we talked about that fourth beast, and even Daniel said that it was diverse uh, from the other beasts there in uh, verse 7 of Daniel chapter 7. In other words, it was something that was out of the ordinary as compared to those other three. Uh, we saw the iron teeth and, uh, you know, crushing the enemies, trampling the nations, and, uh, you know, it was very powerful uh, like none of the others before it. And certainly history even shows that that the Roman Empire, militarily speaking, really swept across the known world, uh, conquering and subduing nations basically at will. I mean, you know, for 500 years, I mean, they were just, I mean, it was just futile to even try to stand against them. Often, uh, many of the places they conquered, they would just show up, and they won. I mean, they didn't have to do nothing. The people just came out and said, okay, uh, you know, what do you want us to do? Uh, And so, uh, certainly, it it stood out in that. History has certainly uh, shown that uh, as well. But we begin to get a little more detail there. Also, it talks about in verse 7, it mentions there uh, the, uh, the the horns that it had, the ten horns, uh, if you will, if you will. And then it goes on to kind of explain a little more in detail about those horns. But we also find throughout uh, the book of Daniel and, and even in Revelations, you know, those ten horns really do uh, say a lot and mean a lot. But we have a little bit of a description because even in Daniel chapter 7, uh, we have a little bit of an interpretation for that in verse 24. So Daniel chapter 7, verse 24, we see a reference to those horns again, and the ten horns out of this kingdom are ten kings that shall arise, and another shall arise after them, and he shall be diverse from the first, and shall subdue three kings. So we saw some horns, we saw a little horn come up, and then we saw the three horns uh, uh, taken over by that one little horn. And of course we know that uh, looking at the Bible and other places, we're talking about the Antichrist. Uh, being that little horn. And so there's a lot of things that are going on here. Again, we can glean from Revelations, and we know that these horns represent, we'll call it a coalition of ten world-leading nations. Now, I want, to, I want you to understand, this is during the tribulation period. The church has been raptured up. Always keep that in mind. Sometimes people kind of, you know, they start seeing things happening here, you know, Christians do, and we get panicky, and I say, no, that's not it. We're, we'd be in heaven right now if that was the case, okay? So always keep that in mind. But, uh, but we do realize that these, these, these ten world-leading nations really are really an extension of that fourth beast. Again, that, that Roman Empire. Uh, and, and keep in mind also, this is passage is connected back to Daniel chapter 2. Uh, as we looked at verses 31 through 49, which tell us about uh, uh, the other three uh, world powers, that is. And in the beginning, verse 40 through 43, this fourth beast is seen here, you know, with the legs of iron, but those ten uh, toes of iron and clay. And so that's why I keep referring back to that, 
that even though the uh, Roman Empire uh, actually imploded, it isn't what it used to be, but that ideology is still around. And that's what's represented in that, the, that toe, those ten toes of iron uh, and clay. But we see from those ten horns, there appears a little horn there in verse 8. He says, I considered the horns, uh, and behold, there came up among them another little horn, uh, before whom uh, there were three of the first horns plucked up by the roots. And so, so again, these things are, are telling us a great deal. It uprote, uproots those three horns. Uh, again, this is in reference to the Antichrist. Uh, he does kind of start off a little small. In other words, not making a big splash, but certainly he gains power very quickly, particularly toward uh, the middle of the uh, tribulation period. And again, we, we take some other passages from the Bible of the Antichrist, and I want to take some time to read those, because I think they are important so that we kind of get an idea, you know, a biblical view of what the Antichrist and, and what he's all about. And so we're in Daniel chapter 7. Let's skip on down to verse 24. I've already read some of this, but he says, "...and the ten horns out of this kingdom are ten kings that shall arise, and another shall rise after them." Uh, he shall be diverse from the first, and he shall subdue three kings. And we'll explain this a little bit further here too. Verse 25, speaking of the Antichrist, and he shall speak great words against the Most High, against God, uh, and shall wear out the saints of the Most High, uh, and think to change times and laws, and they shall be given into his hand until a time and times uh, and the dividing of time. And that uh, is in reference to a period of time, uh, I believe that three and a half years of what we know uh, as the Great Tribulation, the last part of the Tribulation. But look at Daniel chapter 11. Daniel chapter 11, we get a little more information about the Antichrist, verse 36 and 37. Daniel chapter 11, verse 36 and 37. It says, "...and the king that's talking about the Antichrist shall do according to his will..." And he shall exalt himself and magnify himself above every god and shall speak marvelous things against the god that is our god of the gods, uh, of gods that is, and shall prosper uh, till the indignation be accomplished. So he's going to accomplish some, you know, some pretty amazing things uh, for uh, that is determined shall be done. Uh, Neither shall he regard the God of his fathers, nor the desire of women, nor regard any God, for he shall magnify himself uh, above all. So we see here um, an individual that is totally dedicated to to being the Antichrist, to be that world uh, leader, that one government leader, if you will. And there's some other things there in verse 37 that are pretty interesting, but we don't have time to get into all that tonight. But we're beginning to get a picture of what the Antichrist, who he is and what he's all about. Now let's uh, uh, save your place there in the book of Daniel chapter 7, uh, but go to Second Thessalonians chapter 2. Second Thessalonians chapter 2. We find yet some more things out about uh, the uh, Antichrist. Uh, again, Second Thessalonians. Sometimes we forget that Second uh, Thessalonians has a lot <laughs> of end-time stuff to glean from, a lot of information, uh, rapture of the church, uh, all types of wonderful uh, things in the book of Second Thessalonians. But Second Thessalonians uh, chapter uh, chapter two, Second Thessalonians chapter two. For some reason, I can't get there. Second Thessalonians chapter two, uh, beginning uh, with verse three, uh, it says, "Let no man deceive you by any means." 
For that day, and we're talking about the tribulation period, for that day shall not come except there come a falling away first, and that that man of sin, that man of sin is the Antichrist, be revealed, uh, we see there also known, the son of perdition. Now, again, we find some more things out about him. Who opposeth uh, and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or uh, that is worshipped, so that he as God setteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. So there's going to come a time when the Antichrist, and we'll get into this sort of book of study of the book of Daniel where uh, the temple is going to be rebuilt and he's going to sit in the temple and say, you know what, I'm God and I demand to be worshipped. In uh, verse 5, uh, Paul explains some things. He says, remember ye not that when I was with you, I told you these things. So we know they're going to happen. And know, Now keep in mind, where's the church? Where are we? We're in heaven. He says, and, and know ye not that, uh, I'm sorry, and, know, and now ye know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in this time? For the mystery of iniquity doth already work, uh, only he who knoweth let, letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. And then shall that wicked, again talking about the Antichrist, be revealed whom the Lord shall consume. Amen. You know, he's, he's fighting a losing battle uh, with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy him with the brightness of his coming. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan. In other words, we know that uh, the Antichrist uh, is is Satan's uh, man uh, with all power and signs and lying wonders. Uh, also, let's go back to the book of Revelations, chapter 13. We'll get back into the message, but just want to take a little extra time uh, showing you some Bible verses explaining who and what the Antichrist is. We see there, Revelations chapter 13, verse 1, it says, And I stood uh, upon the sand of the sea and saw a beast. And we know this is talking about the Antichrist rise up out of the sea, uh, having seven heads, and we see there the ten horns. That seven heads, I believe, still has to do with that that uh, ten-nation coalition. And Sometime we'll, we'll explain this out a little bit, but for, today, for tonight, we're just looking at those ten horns. And upon his horns, ten crowns, and upon his heads, the name of blasphemy. And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard. Remember our animals that we saw, talked about last week? Uh, like unto a leopard, uh, and his feet were as the feet of a bear. So there's the bear. Uh, and his mouth as the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him his power and his seat in great authority. So the devil's behind everything that the Antichrist does and who and what he is. And I saw one of his heads, as it were, wounded to death, uh, and his deadly wound was healed, and all the world wondered after this beast. So this tells us that there's going to be something traumatic happen to the Antichrist. People are going to think he's dead, but he's going to come back alive, uh, and people are just going to say, hey, this guy, you know, he this, this is of God. And again, we understand that the book of First or Second Thessalonians tells us that there's that strong delusion. And it says in, in they, verse 4, And they worshipped the dragon, which gave power unto the beast. And they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like unto the beast, that is the Antichrist, uh, who was able to make war with him? And there was given unto him a mouth, speaking great things and blasphemies, and power was given unto him to continue forty and two months. How long is that? That's three and a half years. And he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name and his tabernacle and them that dwell in heaven. 
And it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And power was given over him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of life, the life of the Lamb, in other words, the unsaved, slain from the foundation of the world. So there's a great deal in the Bible concerning the Antichrist. And when you uh, uh, take the, the you know some of these other passages and put them together, we really get a good picture of what's going to happen uh, during that tribulation period, uh, in you know uh, concerning the the Antichrist. And so the Roman this the the Roman type empire go back to those ten toes will reemerge in the form of that ten nation coalition, which we made reference to several times in these verses already. Uh, and and it will seem now keep in mind he's going to. You know, he's going to kind of come on the scene. It's going to be, I think, you know, there's a lot of things here we could speculate. After the rapture of the church, things are going to be kind of chaotic, you know, especially here in America, you know. Uh, and here's going to come Mr. Smooth, you know. And at first, he's going to kind of seem harmless. He's not really going to tip his hand. And things are going to kind of, you know, settle down. Things are going to start looking good. All of a sudden, they're getting along in the Middle East. You know, and dude's going to be the, the face of all that. But then he's going to change. And then what, what, who and what he really is will be revealed. Uh, and, and again, he, the, he's going to, uh, he will seem, it, it really, the, the form of that ten nation coalition will, will, will be the beginning of it. And it's really going to seem like mankind is finally, as, as I said, world peace. And it's going to be in the form of a one world government. The pinnacle of socialism realized. And everybody's going to be going, we did it. We did it. And then old Slick Willie is going to come on in. That is the Antichrist. And he's going to, he's going to uh, be that little horn that comes up and he's going to subdue three, uh, three of those Ten leaders, somehow. We don't really know how. And of course the rest are going to follow him. And now all of a sudden, instead of it being a ten nation coalition, the Antichrist becomes the ruler of the world. And there, you know. <laughs> and this Antichrist hates three things. He hates God. He hates the Jew. And he hates those that are getting saved during the tribulation period. He hates them. Uh, and he's going he's to uh, destroy those. And so the Antichrist's reign of terror, really as far as he rules, is, is short-lived. Although, if you were living here three and a half years, that would probably be a long time. And that's what really what we mean by the great tribulation period, that last three and a half years. Jesus talks about this time. You don't have to turn there. Matthew chapter 24 Um in uh, his uh, all of discourse, he says, For then shall great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world of this time, no, nor ever shall be. You see, the worst times on this planet haven't happened yet. They're still yet to come. Remember, church is going to be raptured. We're not going to be here. But the worst time in human history is still yet to come. But again, if you're saved, um, you know, you know, uh, certainly you, you won't be here for that. So now, that's kind of the, and we're, we're going to be probably getting into some more details about this, but we're going to move on with our scriptures that we're looking at tonight, and now we move on to yet another kingdom 
but it's not a Gentile kingdom. And really, this is really what we could call the final world power. Uh, this is the return of Christ, uh, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, whatever you want to say there. Uh, this is when uh, Jesus comes uh, and takes care of things. Amen. And so we see there in verse 9, we see the coming of the Lord. And I beheld till the thrones were cast down. So all these things that are set up by the Antichrist are cast down, and the Ancient of Days did set. And we have this marvelous description uh, whose garment was white as snow, and we see some of these similar descriptions descriptions in the book of Revelations concerning our Lord, uh, whose garment was white as snow, and the hair of his head was uh, the pure, like the pure wool. His throne was like a, the fiery flame, and his wheels as burning fire. So some magnificent things here to, to think about. And again, we're looking at a uh, a new order of leadership uh, and uh, even authority. And uh, and again, a study of the Bible would also point, uh, we're going to look at some scriptures, to a time when God's people will be involved in this godly leadership. And just think about that. Good Christians, good men and women of God, perhaps, are going to be uh, uh, set up in leadership roles, and that's pretty exciting to think about. I want to show you some examples of that. Save your place there in Daniel 7, but go to Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22. Luke 22. As uh, we see some things revealed concerning uh, this godly kingdom. Luke chapter 22, verse uh, 28. And he's talking to the apostles specifically here about their what their role is going to be in the future kingdom. It says in verse 28, Ye are they which have continued with me in my temptations, and I appoint unto you a kingdom as my Father hath appointed unto me, that ye may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom, and set on thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? And then now that's in re- reference to the, the, uh, the disciples there. But let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Let's look at that for just a little bit. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2 and 3, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2 and 3, and um, uh, Paul is actually admonishing the Corinthian church for taking each other to court, but he says something here in reference that, that is very interesting. He says there in verse 2, do you not know that the saints shall judge the world? You see that? 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2, Do you not know that the saints shall judge the world? And if the world shall be judged by you, are you unworthy to judge the smallest of matters? Again, he's you know reprimanding them for some things. But again, this really tells us a lot. Again, he says in verse 3, Know ye not that we shall judge angels? That's pretty amazing, isn't it? I don't know exactly what all that means, but there it is. Again, how much more things that pertain to this life. And so we have some indications here that we... God's people will be a part of this godly rule that Jesus uh, himself will be setting on the throne. One more place, back in the book of Revelations chapter 3. Revelations chapter 3. This is awesome stuff. I could do this all night. Romans, or Revelations chapter 3 verse 21. He says here, uh, he says, To him that overcometh will I graft to set with me in my throne even as I also overcame and am set down with my Father in his throne. I believe the 
context there is those that uh, are, you know, making out of the tribulation period as far as the saved goes. But again, it still indicates that God's people will be in government. <laughs> Isn't that what we want? I mean, are we always saying, boy, if we could just get some good Christians, you know, in, uh, in government, you know, if we had some, uh, a good Christian president, a good Christian governor, you know, the list goes on. Well, one of these days, that's going to happen. That's going to happen. As a matter of fact, if they're not right, they won't be in government. Amen. <laughs> uh, there were some states way back in the day that would not elect anybody that wasn't a Christian at one time. Yeah, maybe we ought to go back to that. So we see there these, these thrones, and we see the, the human, uh, uh, again, uh, under Christ, that is, being involved in government. And so, but the Ancient of Days, that is Christ, he takes his seat on the throne of judgment. Go back to uh, Daniel chapter 7, verse 9. And he says there again, the thrones were cast down, the Ancient of Days did sit. And he gives this wonderful description of our Lord and Savior. Uh, and those things mean things too, by the way. It speaks of his purity, his holiness, his righteousness. Um, Ancient of Days, even that uh, description tells us that we have eternal Savior in God. You know, this isn't just some temporary thing. Um, uh, he's wisdom. Uh, the fiery throne, even the wheels, uh, speak of justice and judgment that never rests. It's just continuing. You know, I think of that thing, the wheels of justice just keep turning. And again, all these things are right. But the point here is, very simply but profoundly, we see Jesus as the ruler of the world. <laughs> hey, man! You know, I mean, isn't that what we need? Amen, that's what we need. But then we see some judgment handed down. We kind of jump back to uh, the Antichrist and, and, and the enemies of God. Verse 10, a fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. Uh, thousand thousands ministered unto him, and ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The judgment was set, and the books were open. You know, and we do know that uh, there, there's some different things to understand about the, there's a, I see two judgments actually concerning the lost. Um, in Matthew chapter 25, we read about uh, the separation of the sheep and the goats. Um, many that don't get saved during the tribulation will survive the tribulation. In other words, they're not saved, but they made it through alive. Um, in Matthew 25, verse 31 through 46, indicates that they're going to be judged by Christ, I think, very soon uh, after uh, he's there, and they're just going to go straight to hell. That's pretty sad. In other words, they, they, they won't die a death, because like, there's people that are in, their bodies are in the grave now. Uh, their, their soul is in hell, Okay. We're not talking about those. This judgment is just for those that the lost that make it through the great tribulation. But we also know the great white throne judgment, and that comes after the end of the millennium, that thousand-year reign. Uh, all those who died unsaved, uh, they are resurrected. Their soul and their body uh, come back together. Exactly how that happens, I don't know. But they, too, will be sentenced and cast into hell, the lake of fire, which is the second death. So either one, you don't want to be a part of, amen? So I believe, though, here, where we're talking about in Daniel 7, speaks of God's enemies that make it through the tribulation alive. They are being judged. Those who kept, remember how we read, uh, uh, we made some references there, 
how those uh, were shaking their fist at God, even after all they see during the tribulation period. You know, they have seen these things happen, yet they still shake and blaspheme the God of heaven. That's those. That's those. And what a, what a terrible thought that is. What a terrible thought that is. Then we see again, still making some reference to the Antichrist. It says in verse 11, I beheld then because of the voice of the great words which the horn spake. So we're talking about this, you know, this uh, Antichrist. I beheld even till the, the beast was slain and his body destroyed and given to the burning flame. And so, again, some references to Revelations chapter 13. Also, we read there a while ago, the Antichrist is really, especially that last three and a half years, he's just going to be a big mouth. I mean, he is. He's just going to be spewing out uh, blasphemies. Uh, he'll continue to blaspheme God even till the very end, I believe. And then we jump down to verse 12, and, and to me, verse 12 is kind of a parenthesis, parenthetical statement. And he, it's all, you know, Daniel was saying, okay, let's, let's go back and let's talk about the Babylonian Empire. Let's talk about the Medes and the Persians. Let's talk about the Grecian Empire again. He says, as concerning the rest of the beast, they had their dominion taken away, yet their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. So we know that they had their time. And I believe this is really just a comment concerning those other three beasts and what, what, God is trying to get us to understand, although they were destroyed, that ideology and ways really existed in the fourth beast. You know, it, it you know just kind of changed hands there, got worse as far as uh, evil and power went. Uh, yet all of that is going to see an end as well. In other words, that that those empires, and certainly because of their treatment of the Jew, God is still going to uh, judge. And all of that is going to be taken away. We think about uh, Jesus Christ, uh, again, judging all of these. And, and this is all going to happen when that Antichrist is put down for good. It's all going to be wiped clean and made right. And so we praise the Lord for that. In other words, we, you know, God, <laughs> you know, God wins. And then we see that, that again, that, that fifth kingdom, we're going to call it, uh, and uh, verse 13 and 14 will be done. And I saw in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven and came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him, and there was given him dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people, nations, languages should serve him. Uh, his dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom uh, that which shall not be destroyed. So we have here Jesus Christ, known as the Son of Man. He is the perfect man. He is everything that man should be, uh, the embodiment of God in human flesh. And he'll be president of the world. And we praise the Lord for that. We see there how he's given dominion over all nations. It's only the right that he should have it. He paid the ransom, amen? It's only right that he should... Uh, he should be he should be given dominion over all nations because he died for whosoever will. And then we see that a kingdom that will see no end. It'll never be destroyed. It'll never be destroyed. And I tell you what, folks, that's a great comfort to me. It's wonderful to be a Christian. Amen. It's wonderful to be a Christian. It's wonderful to be God's child. It's wonderful to be on the winning side. And if you're saved tonight, 
you're a Christian, and you're on the winning side. I said this morning, I know things get a little bumpy, things get a little a little crazy out, things are a little crazy out there. Listen, it's going to be all right. Everything's going to be all right. Everything's going to be all right, amen? Amen, praise the Lord. Hey, listen, this world might do a lot of things to us, and, and who knows, we might end up being pulpers for it's all with, living off gray squirrels or something, I don't know. You know, we might lose everything we got. But the enemy can't take that away from us. Hey, man! Hey! This is, everything we do have in this world is temporal anyway, amen? It, it don't, hey, compared to eternity, it don't, it don't mount to much anyway. My God owns a cattle on a thousand hills. Every piece of money there is on this planet belongs to God anyway. It'll all stay here when we go up yonder. Praise the Lord. Now, I don't know about you, but Antichrist and, you know, the ungodly leaders that we have, they can never take that away from us. No matter what they say, no matter how smart they think they are, trying to disprove God, trying to make the Word of God look bad, trying to make Christianity look bad. They can put the pressure on us all they want. And we might have to go in caves and and serve the Lord someday. But they can't take that away from us. Hallelujah! Praise the Lord. I believe we'll just end on that note. Stand with me if you will as our pianist comes. Well, just fill the altar up tonight, praising Jesus.